Hi, this is Natalie Hoffman of FlyingFreeNow.com, and you're listening to the Flying Free Podcast, a support resource for women of faith looking for hope and healing from hidden emotional and spiritual abuse. Welcome to episode, get this, 99 of the Flying Free Podcast. It has been two years. I can't even believe it. It's completely flown. I'm really excited because next week for our 100th episode, I have been feverishly putting together a special episode with clips, short little 20 to 30 second sound bites from almost every single podcast episode that we have had so far. So they're like little gems. It's going to be like almost 100, not quite because some of them were not quite conducive to this, but almost 100 little gems, little uh, sound bites that you can listen to all in one sitting. I'm not sure how long it's going to be yet, but it will be under an hour. I'm guessing it's going to be maybe about 45 minutes and next week you will get to hear it. So I'm recording this actually this 99th episode in November. It's November 6th today. And you're going to be listening to this, I believe at the end of December. And our family actually has COVID. So we just started, we just got our first confirmed case um, last week, and now I brought in some more kids for testing. So who knows? I could be dead by the time you listen to this. Isn't that morbid? All right, hopefully that's not the case. But today what I want to do is answer some listener questions. I have this little... um, app that I send people to and they can leave questions. And I didn't realize that that box, that inbox was getting full. And I just found it again the other day and saw all these questions that have come in. So I'm excited to answer three of them today. And so let's listen to our first question. Here we go. Hi, beautiful butterfly sisters. Um, What I am struggling with is the anger and resentment and bitterness of all the heinous things he's done over the years and especially the smear campaign at the end. His horrible lies has made my daughter disown me and cut off access and being able to visit my one and only granddaughter, brand new baby. Well, she's two now. (laughs) I can't even tell you and I'd be embarrassed to tell you all the different ways I wish He would be punished and hurt and frankly just disappear. And I know this isn't right um, to think about the consequences or revenge. And I know forgiveness is in the future, but even a criminal that is forgiven has to serve some time in prison, which feels just. How do I get over this knowing that there may be no justice? Okay, I can really feel for this person and her question. And I think a lot of us have felt like this. Um, I've actually, yeah, I've actually done a lot of work on my, in my own life in this area. Um, The justice thing, wanting to have justice is not a bad thing at all. I think it's a very human thing. And I think God is a God who wants to see justice and he cares about the marginalized. He cares about victims And so I think that's actually normal. It means that you're a normal human being, and I think it's a good thing. Um, Here's the problem, though. If we don't see justice, and we may not see justice right away, but if we don't see justice right away, what do we do with all of those feelings then? So there's a model that I teach inside of my coaching program, 
And I want to show you how this model works with a situation like this, okay? So you take the, the circumstance, which would be the daughter disowning you, and what you think about it, you, you think about what that makes you think. What is the thought that you have when you think, my daughter has disowned me? And, it, and from what I read in the question, her thought, your thought is that he, your husband, ex-husband should be punished. All right. And the feeling that you get, our thoughts are what create our feelings. Thoughts start in our brain and they trigger feelings or vibrations in our body that those, those are our emotions. So the feeling that you get when, when you think he should be punished is this hatred and possibly some despair. Now, the result is when you, or the, the action that you take, our feelings actually cause us to do things. We tend to do things that make us feel good, and we tend to do, um, avoid doing things that make us feel icky feelings, right? So when we're feeling hatred and despair, we don't like that feeling. And so we do things like we might buffer with maybe overeating or drinking or smoking or, or alcohol. Uh, well, I guess drinking is alcohol, right? Um, I suppose you could drink orange juice, but usually people don't buffer with orange juice. You might stew, you ruminate, you don't actually get out there and live your big life, okay? And the result that your action brings to you is that he, your, your ex actually gets away with the ultimate destruction of you. And you know who is punished? You're punished. So your original thought, well, he should be punished, actually gives you this result that you are actually punishing yourself, right? Do you see how our thoughts, our brains are always looking for evidence to prove what we actually believe is true. So um, this is the result you get. We don't like that result, do we? I mean, we don't want to punish ourselves. We don't want to feel like we spend the, you know, here we got away from abuse. We got out of that relationship. And now we're just going to spend the rest of our lives ruminating and stewing and punishing ourselves for it. No, I say no way. All right. We can't, here's the thing though. We can't change our circumstances. You go, if we go back to the circumstance here, the daughter disowns you, um, well, that's got to stay the same because we can't, we can only change ourselves and we can only change our own thoughts to get different results in our lives. We can't change anybody around us. So we need to keep that circumstance the same. Daughter disowns me. But here's where your power lies. Your power lies in what you choose to believe or to think about that. And this is so amazing because you get to decide, you get to make a decision about what you want to think about this. Now your brain is so used to thinking certain things because you've been programmed like that from childhood. But what if you as an adult pulled out some of those thoughts and decided, you know what? I don't really want to believe that anymore. Why do I believe that? And, and do I want to keep that belief? Or do I want to keep that thought sentence in my head? Since it's not really serving me very well, maybe I want to change it. So let's say that you decided to think this thought. Instead of thinking um, he should be punished, what if you thought this? My daughter disowned me, but I own myself and God owns me. So I belong to myself and I belong to God. I may not belong to my daughter anymore but I belong to myself and I belong to God. Now, the feeling that that thought, if you, if that's a believable thought for you, it has to be believable. I mean, if, if you say that out loud to yourself and you think, 
Yeah, I don't believe that at all. Then you're going to need to do some work on rewiring your brain as far as like whether or not you believe. But most of us can really buy into, especially for Christians, that God loves us and that we belong to him. Okay. So when you think that, you're probably not going to feel hate and despair when you think that, but your body may have feelings of love, hopefully, and maybe even just the beginnings of empowerment. Now, when we feel love and we feel empowered, usually human beings who feel love and empowered go out and they live their big lives. They make decisions. They're able to make mistakes and fail because they know that that's okay. I can make mistakes and fail because success is usually built on a pile of failures. It's all right to do that. So the result is when you go and live your big life, the real result is that he doesn't get away with destroying you. He doesn't get away with anything. You win. Okay. So, and actually the ultimate punishment, honestly, for God, for men who want to see the destruction of their partners is for you to actually get out and live your big life for you to actually get out and win. That is a big punishment for them. All right. Um, I just want to add to, I want to share a verse with you because I, this portion of scripture was extremely helpful for me when I was feeling like this, um, when I first got out of my relationship. This is from Psalm 73. God is indeed good to Israel, to the pure in heart. But as for me, my feet almost slipped. My steps nearly went astray, for I envied the arrogant. I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have an easy time until they die, and their bodies are well fed. They're not in trouble like others. They're not afflicted like most people. Therefore, pride is their necklace, and violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes bulge out from fatness. The imaginations of their hearts run wild. They mock and they speak maliciously. They arrogantly threaten oppression. They set their mouths against heaven and their tongues strut across the earth. Therefore, his people turn to them and drink in their overflowing words. Now, did you get, did you catch that? People, this, the, um, David, or actually this is Asaph. He's saying, man, these people are so wicked. And even in their wickedness, people will turn to them and drink in their words. Okay. That's really frustrating. Therefore his, I'm sorry, the wicked say, how can God know? Does the most high know everything? Look at them, the wicked. They're always at ease and they increase their wealth. Did I purify my heart and wash my hands in innocence for nothing? For I am afflicted all day long and punished every morning. If I had decided to say these things out loud, I would have betrayed your people. When I tried to understand all this, it seemed hopeless until I entered God's sanctuary. Then I understood their destiny. Indeed, you put them in slippery places you make them fall into ruin. How suddenly they become a desolation. They come to an end, swept away by terrors, like one waking from a dream. Lord, when arising, you will despise their image. When I became embittered and my innermost being was wounded, I was stupid, didn't understand. I was an unthinking animal toward you. And yet... I am always with you. 
You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me up in glory. Who do I have in heaven but you? And I desire nothing on earth but you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart, my portion forever. Those far from you will certainly perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, God's presence is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge so I can tell about all you do. I'm struggling with living alone after 42 years in relationship and 35 years of marriage. I do not want another man but I can't visualize a future. I'd like to hear from more people who are living well as a single and how they're handling things like fear of their declining health and the need for support as they age. I'm extremely isolated in all my uh, family dynamics and geographically, and I live in hiding because my um abuser is dangerous. Thank you. Okay, this is a great question. And I and I think hopefully my answer will be applicable to everyone, no matter what kind of situation that you're in. But one of the things that she's noticed, and that um, we can all know is that it, if we can't visualize something in our future, it's simply because we just haven't practiced that yet. We just haven't been, we haven't actually activated that part of our brain that does that kind of visualization, okay? We haven't been, pro- usually, so we, we are all programmed to believe certain things from the time we're small children, and, um, and those programs run on autopilot in our brains. And we always, like I've mentioned a million times before, our brains are going to look for evidence of what we already believe is true. So what the, it's a simple fix, really. Um, it, it's simple, but it, you ha, it does take some work. But you need to program your brain to see a new future for yourself that doesn't, if you want to stay single, that sees a future for yourself as a single. You need to activate the part of your brain is called your, your reticular activating system. And this part of your brain actually just once you activate it, it starts to look for evidence that it's true. So for example, if you've ever um, bought uh, or ever been thinking about buying a car, this is like the most common example I can think of. And you're looking at like when I was looking for a van, I was looking for a Honda Odyssey. Okay. When I bought my Honda Odyssey, it turned out that everybody on the road was driving a Honda Odyssey in the same color that I had. Had, and I had never noticed that before, but you see my RAS, the RAS in my brain was activated to notice that now. All right, so we do a bunch of work with this in our Flying Higher program. Flying Higher is for divorced women of faith and help we help them to fly higher. All right, so what you want to do is you want to ask yourself a bunch of questions about your future and sit down and write these things down. Don't type them. Actually take a piece of paper and a pen. Use your hand because this is activating lots of different parts of your brain when you do this. Answer questions like this. Who do you want to be? Try to imagine. I do this little exercise with um, the women in my group where we actually kind of visualize going out into outer space and then coming back down to earth in a different time and place. And we meet 
we go through this exercise where we meet our future selves and we, um, we get to talk to our future selves and look and see what that future self looks like. You know, what does her hair look like? So for example, when I envision my future self, I've done this exercise. I have actually have long gray hair, a beautiful gray color. I may have to color it to get that color in my future, but I have this long gray hair. Um, I live in a small home that's just tastefully decorated, but really simple, totally decluttered, um, with clean spaces. Um, I, I have, I've just got lots and lots of love in my heart. I'm wise and calm and at peace. And I bring wisdom and calmness and peace to anyone who comes near me. And that's how I envision myself. That's where I want to go with my life. Okay. Now you can ask yourself, you know, things like, what do you want your career to be? What do you want to be doing? What kind of friends do you, what would your friends be like? What kinds of activities would you be doing? Um, there is a book, one of my favorite children's books that has been dog-eared. I've actually owned a couple copies of this because it gets dog-eared and then ratted out and then I have to buy another copy. But it's called Miss Rumphius by Barbara Cooney. She's an amazing children's book writer, but she's also an amazing children's book illustrator. She uses colored pencils to draw such precious pictures. But I think my favorite book that she's written is Miss Rumphius. And it's about this little girl who grows up and all she wants to do is make the world into a better place. But she doesn't know how that, how she can quite do that. But as she gets older, she, she's a single woman and she's a librarian at first, and then she goes on adventures. But then she eventually breaks her, or she injures her back in India, I think. And then she ends up doing what she's always dreamed of doing, which is settling in a little cottage by the sea, overlooking the sea. So she goes and she does that. She decides that since her back is not doing well, she'll go and settle by the sea. So there's this be- these beautiful drawings of this little cottage, and she's living by herself, and she deci- she's still thinking about her dream to make the world a more beautiful place, and she decides to plant lupine flowers all over the place. So she goes all over her community and plants these seeds, and pretty soon lupines spring up all over. And that's, it ends up that that's how she, they call the, in the community, they end up calling her the lupine lady. She grows old, people come, the children come and gather around in her home and she tells them stories of her adventures. And she's just this little old wise lady who has brought so much beauty into her community. That's what you want to do. You want to be thinking, well, she, Miss Rumphius had this vision from the time she was a small child. And because she had that vision, her brain actually was looking for evidence to make that true. And it did make it true. She made all of her dreams come true because they were so vivid in her brain. And that's, that's exactly what you want to do. You want to visualize how you want your future to be. Now, obviously, you have to do this with 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 some constraint because, for example, if if you you can't just go, well, I'm just going to be a race car driver, or I'm going to be a famous opera singer. Okay, well, maybe you can't sing, so you're not going to be able to do that. Uh, maybe a race car driver is not in the cards for you because you have osteoporosis, like I do, and having a little fender bender is going to crack your body up. <laughs> I don't know, but there are you know, so you have to you know use reason. But there are so many things that you could do within the constraints of what of you know what you have going for you. So if you are in hiding and you can't come out and you can't um, um, meet 
people, you know, in your community that you're in right now, maybe you could visualize yourself in five years moving to a new community and coming out someplace where people can't find you. Um, But anyway, this is your opportunity really to discover who you are. And maybe you don't have loving, trusting relationships with your family, but you can develop a loving and trusting relationship with yourself. Another idea is to go back and think about when you were a child. What kinds of things thrilled you when you were a little girl? And how can you bring some of those things back into your life now that you're an adult who has agency and autonomy and opportunity to make choices for yourself? As kids, we don't have that agency and autonomy, but as adults, we do. Now we can actually take the bull by the horns and make some decisions for ourselves. Again, may not be all that we can't maybe do everything in the world, but we can certainly do many, many more things probably than you could even imagine right now. But if you sit down and think about it and start writing, brainstorming, pie in the skying, Googling, researching, um, I think that you'll find that there are amazing opportunities waiting for you out there, regardless of whether or not you get remarried. Are you a woman of faith who also happens to be divorced? I've been developing a brand new program that will give you the tools you need to manage your thoughts and emotions, grow your self-confidence so that you can take risks and do things you never dreamed possible, and so you can build happy, healthy relationships with other people. Did you know none of this good stuff depends on your outward circumstances or your past? You can generate the life you've dreamed of all by yourself, and I'm going to teach you how through online classes and transformational coaching. Are you ready to take your new life to the next level and fly higher? Learn more and get on the waiting list at joinflyinghigher.com. Hi, my name is Sherry and I'm calling from Indiana. Um, Since the man that I was married to uh, for the first 13 years um, was extremely uh, spiritually and emotionally abusive. Um, and he was a pastor and I had four children with him, but the problem is that he created such doubt and such mistrust in, um, me, um, and by the kids so that now, even though the children are adults, I still am struggling with those relationships and a means of um, trusting me and accepting me and loving me uh, for who I am now. And I really need your help. Okay. I wish I could do some coaching with this woman because, and this is what I do in the flying free program and even more extensively in the flying higher program. But um, this is what I would do if I was to coach this woman. First of all, I'd ask her to give me a specific example of something that her adult kids do that, um, that are causing her to think the thought, my adult child doesn't trust or like me. Okay, so I'd have her give a specific example. So let's say, I'm just going to make one up just for the sake of this um, call. Let's say that an adult child sends her an email 
that is just kind of a scathing email, very accusatory and nasty and passive aggressive and all of that. Okay. And then she gets that email and she reads it. And so that would be her circumstance. All right. Got an email from my adult child. And then her thought is, and I'm just going to use her actual thought that she wrote in here. um, My adult kids don't trust or like me. So that's the thought that she's having. Now that thought in her brain is creating an emotion in her body, a vibration in her body. I'm guessing I would do coaching with her and I'd ask her what she's feeling, but I'm guessing that it's probably something like shame and maybe um, sadness. It could even be despair. Um, I've actually experienced this. So those are, those are the things that I have felt. And then her action, I'd ask her, what do you do when you feel shame or sadness? What do you do? And I'm guessing that she might say something like, you know, I isolate, I hide, I don't interact with them, I stew, I buffer, um, buffering meaning um, that we try to make the bad feelings go away by maybe drowning in Netflix or, or Facebook or beer or whatever. Um, and then when, when you do those things, what is the result that you get? And usually, again, the result proves the original thought. So in this case, the original thought is my adult kids don't trust or like me. And the result here would be that you don't trust or like yourself. So this is very similar to the very first question that we had in this episode. So, but here's the thing. What if, here's, and here's your opportunity. What if you could actually let those kids go and just let them be who they are, they actually get to have their own models for life, their own manuals for how they, you know, interact with people and what moms are supposed to do or not supposed to do and what dads are supposed to do and not supposed to do and what kids are supposed to do and what are not supposed to do. And what if we just let all of that go? That's a lot of drama. And it's a lot of just a lot of responsibility that really doesn't have anything to do with you actually actuality in actuality. And what if we just worked on, what if you just focused on you, your relationship with you? Now that's the relationship from which all of your other relationships actually matter. And I I want you to be able to see how, if you have an amazing relationship with yourself, that you can actually be filled up with love for others regardless of what their attitude is toward you. Because when you're full of love and trust for yourself and and that shame is gone, you don't have that shame anymore. Shame is a killer, you guys. If you've never read any of Brene Brown's work, you you, you really should. Her, Her books are amazing. But so if you can get if you can get rid of shame and be filled up with love instead, you're going to be able to see other people more objectively and be able to get, including your kids, and be able to give them freedom to believe whatever they want to believe. It's totally okay, because it's not actually a reflection of who you are. It's just thoughts in their head. It's stories that they've made up in their own minds, and how they've put all of the pieces together that make sense to them based on their programming. And it sounds like a lot of their programming came from an abusive individual who tried to program you with the same thoughts. So they're just believing what they grew up believing. And it's just kind of taken over their adult lives now. Um, but, but then you could have the freedom to believe what you know to be true in your mind and in your heart. Right now, The problem is that you've bought into their version of reality. 
So if your family doesn't trust or like you, or if you believe that, then you're making that mean that you must not be a trustworthy or likable human being. And then that fills you with shame. All right. But is that really true? Are you really not trustworthy? Are you, I'm sure there's people who like you. Okay. And you also, I'd like you to question too your belief that they don't trust you or like you. Because we, you, you don't necessarily know that that's true either. I had a son who sent me an email once that was horrible. That's probably why I used that example at the beginning. And I think, I, I think at the moment he didn't trust me and didn't like me in that, in that moment in time. But deep down inside, I think he's always trusted me and always loved me because I'm his mom and we used to have a close relationship. And I've not done anything to, to um, undermine that trust, but... His dad has planted a lot of interesting, fascinating ideas into his head that have undermined that trust in me. And so that's natural that that would happen. So they may just be, I'm not, they, it's very well could be true that they don't trust or like you, okay? But they may, it's possible also that they may just be temporarily confused because they have very little life experience under their belt. They've been programmed by an abusive individual. They grew up in a dysfunctional family, all right? And that's just, that's what happens. Your situation is similar to the very first caller's situation. You guys, I hear, this situation is a replay of literally hundreds of women that I've talked to in the programs that I, that I do. All right. It's a very, very common scenario. And so, um, what the, the women who have been able to kind of rise above that are the ones that have really been able to let go, have been able to let go of their kids, not, not stop loving them for sure. Not stop loving them, but let go of their desire. their strong. Well, I, I don't really think you need to let go of your strong desire for your kids to love and trust you. I think that's a natural, normal desire. So hang on to that, but let go of the need to have that love and trust in order for you to be happy. Because the fact is, again, if we are letting other people's ideas and beliefs dictate our own happiness and our own emotions, that's going to create really terrible results in our life. We're basically giving all of the power over our futures and over the things that we do and our emotions and how we are showing up in the world. We're giving all that power over to other people. And we might as well just go back and live in an abusive relationship, right? We, I mean, so these people that we, that are, you know, on the podcast episode today, all of these people, it sounds like are out of your relationships. And yet this is, these are three perfect examples of how abuse can, can strangle us long after we are out of those relationships, which is the main reason why, well, I shouldn't say it's the main reason. It's one of the reasons why I developed a program for divorced women, because I want them, it's kind of like the la- like Custer's last stand. You know, we want to we wanna tear down those last few strongholds in our lives that are holding us back from being and living, being who God created us to be and living how God created us to live to our fullest potential. Okay? All right. That is all I have for you today. You guys, I can't wait to connect up with you next week. One more week episode 100. I'm all in for that. I hope you're in with me. Thanks so much for listening. And until that 100th episode, fly free.